Welcome to this HR Latte exclusive. Today's employer branding into tomorrow's employee engagement. Are they happy? Counting down. Five, four, three, two. Welcome to HR Latte, your connection to all things HR. Today's great HR department is foundational for today's successful business. Listen in as host Rayanne Thorne gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources. And now for your next cup of talent management, whipped to perfection. Everyone, welcome to HR Latte. This is Rayanne Thorne, your host, and I am kicking off a brand new series. It is today's employer branding into tomorrow's employee engagement. I know we've been talking a great deal about employee engagement, and I think it's going to be an interesting 2016 to see what all this talk develops into. I want to introduce our first guest in this series to you, Crystal Miller who is the founder, and I believe her official title is CEO of Branded Strategies. Hello, Crystal. Thanks for joining me today on HR Latte. Well, hello, Rayanne. Thanks for having me. Um, Yes, my title is CEO. Uh, It's also chief bottle washer. There you go. (laughs) Founder and strategist. At the end of the day, I mean, when I look at the title CEO, there's a couple of things that that means. One is a chief executive officer, which I I am for my organization. Uh, I've got a very small organization of about five people with some flexible staff, which is great. We partner very closely with a couple of different agencies to make sure that we can meet client needs. So my staff grows and flexes as as needed for projects. But the other thing, and I think to fit in today's, uh, today's talk, there is chief engagement officer. So part of my job ah. is keeping the people that I work with engaged in the projects that we're working on, my clients engaged towards meeting their goals, and I think the community at large engaged on the education around the space that I work in. Perfect. So tell us a little bit about Branded Strategies. How do you serve your market? Sure. Okay. So Branded Strategies is a flexible agency, and we're actually created to serve a space in between the two well-known types of workers in the agency space, and one of which is the large agencies that you know, the TMPs, the Weber Shandwicks, Edelman's, BBDOs, those, those giant agencies that serve enterprises so well in certain aspects, but sometimes can be a little lacking in things like creativity and current trends. Because quite frankly, they've got a very large workforce that has to support volume attraction strategies that sometimes can make it difficult to get a little creative. So I'll be brought in by enterprise organizations to really look at the strategies that they have in um, like a social space or in their employer branding and see what we could do differently so that their campaigns don't look like everybody else is on the block. But I, I, so I'm not big like that agency. But on the other hand, our agency is uh, multiple people. We, are, we do have a workforce. So we have a, what, what I call flexible employment in that I do lease employees from other agencies as needed. And we have a very small workforce that manages that here within the organization. So it puts us at a little bit of an advantage to the single consultant that may be working contract within an organization, and they are all of the resources. I do have the ability to flex the resources to fit client needs. So our agency is is somewhere in the middle. It's kind of the sweet spot, if you will, for enterprise business. Well, that sounds fascinating. So I'd like you to take it one step further. 
You mentioned employer branding a couple of times. So for our audience members who are maybe just hearing this phrase or maybe want a greater understanding of what employer branding is, can you give that to us? And then let's talk about how it's evolved over the last couple of years. Yeah. And so actually, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that a little backwards, if that's okay. Before you can really get a handle on employer branding, you need to understand what branding is to begin with. There's a common misconception that marketing and branding are synonymous with each other and that branding is marketing. And while the two are tangentially related, as marketing contributes to a brand, branding is bigger than any one marketing effort. It's kind of the precursory and residual effort to all other marketing activities. So uh, simply put, branding is strategic and most marketing activities and efforts are ultimately tactical. Even if you're developing a strategy around marketing, it's strategy around tactical marketing efforts. That makes sense. So, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So so that being said, marketing, hugely important. So is branding. So when you look at it, marketing unearths and activates buyers. They find your buyers and convince them to buy. Branding, on the other hand, builds loyalty, advocacy, and even evangelists out of those buyers. I mean, think about your favorite brands. I mean, I know I spend probably 15% of my gross income at Starbucks and I talk <laughs> about it so much, I might be considered a brand evangelist. I love right. Starbucks. Right. I love their products. But more than that, I love what they do and what they stand for, which kind of leads into what branding can ultimately do. So branding ultimately can determine customer loyalty or not. So marketing may determine whether or not you fly American Airlines, for example, but it's the brand that will determine if you only fly American Airlines or you only buy Starbucks coffee. So it's built from many, many things. And perhaps the important, uh, the most important aspect of it is the lived experience of the brand. And this is where it starts to play into employer branding. Um, it becomes an easier connection to employer branding. Did the brand deliver on the promises that it made? Did the brand uphold the communicated standards and societal standards that people have for that business? Did the people involved with the brand, the employees, act in a knowledgeable way, in ethical manners? You know, do they live up to their own personal reputations individually and then the corporate reputation as it's been presented to the world? That's yeah. branding. I'm really glad you mentioned the corporate reputation and you, you talked earlier about marketing. Let's jump into this now, consumer brand versus employer brand. Recently in the news, we've heard about organizations, and I won't name them. I think anybody that knows when there's been a internal branding problem with employees, it may have an impact on the organization. You know, you mentioned an airline earlier. I know another airline that I will never fly because I know the employees hate their job, right? And you can Mm -hmm. tell that in how they serve their customers and serve their market. So tell me a little bit about what that means, consumer brand versus employer brand, and how are they related? And what do organizations need to remember? when they have a consumer brand issue as it relates to employer branding? Sure. So we talked about what consumer branding really was. It was a culmination of all of these different aspects of experiences that people come into contact with, the marketing, the lived experience, all those things. Well, with employer brand, it's very much the same in terms of the the different check marks, right? The lived experience, the promises and all those things. But it's The promise is made as an employer. What is it like to work here? What is the experience you're going to have? What happens if you entrust us with your career, right? So it's bigger than a job. When you take a job somewhere, when an employer hires you, what they're saying is trust your career with us, right? For the most part, there's exceptions to every rule and then some hourly positions that are really turn and burn. But for the most part, that's what they're saying. And so they're building a reputation based off of their ability to uphold those promises or not. 
So when you have, like, to your example, the airline that you will never fly because the employees hate their job, when you have this inability to fulfill those problems or promises because you've sold these promises that you can't fulfill, then you're damaging your employer brand, right? So that's that's a little bit different than the consumer brand because if they're still getting you from point A to point B and they didn't promise you a fun ride, then maybe they're fulfilling <laughs> their consumer promises, right? We right. promise to haul your rear end from this city to that That's one. right. And if they do that, then they've lived up to their name. Now, if they have bad customer service, if their employees are unhappy, that's ultimately going to show in the engagement of the employee. And I don't mean to stick it ahead, but it, it does play together, right? So when your employer brand is less than it should be, and what it should be is an accurate reflection of what it's like to work for your company, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, there, there really isn't a good culture or a bad culture. There are accurately reflected cultures and shared culture marketing and the right fit for an individual. So if you market your culture correctly and you market your employer experience correctly, you do solve some of those issues of, of unhappy employees. But if you don't, then what happens is it can actually affect your bottom line profits, which is why 74% of CEOs have employer branding on their radar. It matters. Right. It, it absolutely matters. And so let's talk about you now and personal branding. Now, I've, I've been friends with you for several years now, I would say. I think I first met you possibly even at an HR tech conference several years ago. And you have a very impactful personal brand, right? And I know that your personal brand is what has helped your business to grow. So how has that helped you to become known in the space as an expert in this? You know, we consider the old adage, I've written about this several times, market thyself. How, what have you done to make sure that people who know your brand and come in contact with you understand that you are an expert in these things, that you're an expert in employer branding and that you can benefit their business? So I think probably the first thing I did was I didn't look at it as a brand, which is an odd thing to say, given what I do. I understand that. But my company has a brand. I have a reputation. And if my reputation is accurately reflected through the marketplace, if I do the things that I say that I'm known for, I speak to that on a regular basis, I help other people understand it, I can show bodies of work around what I do, then my reputation should reflect what I actually know. So when I look at some people who build a personal brand, they're very focused on the tactical pieces of it. I've got to post on Instagram. Every right, day. I've got to post on right. Twitter. I've got to make sure I, you know, and the reality is, no, you don't got to do all of that. I took almost a one-year sabbatical from Twitter because I just, I don't like the platform. I mean, I, I like Twitter. I like Twitter just fine. But for me, it's it's very noisy. It's very cluttered. and It's very hard to keep up with. It is. So it is. I prefer Facebook where I can have conversations and stuff through Facebook and I digest news through Twitter. So I was like, if I'm just digesting news, do I need to post there? And the advice that I was given was, oh my gosh, you have to be on Twitter. It will totally impact your personal brand if you're not. <laughs> Turns out it doesn't right? It, it didn't affect my personal brand that much. I wasn't listed as much in the top whatever, whatever. Right. Follow. The list. But my, <laughs> yeah, but my business grew by almost 37%, just shy of 37%. Because as it turns out, when you spend too much time talking about what you know online, there's a perception and a reputation hit that follows that, that perhaps you're not doing the stuff that you're talking about. Because if you were doing the things that you were talking about, how would you have this time That's right. to be online? I mean, we all know there's social schedulers and all kinds of sure. things that can get around that. But the reality is, if you look at yourself as brand me, 
I think that you can run into trouble by over-marketing yourself. Whereas if you, if you look at what do I want my reputation to be? What do I want to be known for? And how can I back that up? It's ultimately the same kind of thing. But I think there's a little bit of a perception how we put together that plan. We become less worried about the individual things that we say and more worried about the collective representation that the marketplace sees. At least this is what I've experienced. No, I I would agree with that. Yeah. So market yourself, but market yourself wisely. Perfect. So let's move forward in employee engagement now. Sure. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break and recognize our sponsors here at HR Latte. And we'll be right back. HR Latte is brought to you by Dovetail Software, a SaaS-based HR case management and help desk solution to ease today's HR departments into tomorrow. Simple but powerful real-time employee engagement, knowledge management, and detailed analytics empower human resource departments and shared services teams to effectively handle any type of employee interaction. Dovetail Software, by HR, for HR. And we're back. Of course, a big shout out to Dovetail Software. Thanks again, Dovetail, for sponsoring HR Latte. Employer, employee engagement. Let's talk about this. What ultimate responsibility does talent acquisition and employer branding on top of that have on talent management? And when I say talent management, I mean hanging on to that talent, right? Really giving that that talent that you have within your organization, the opportunity to grow within the organization, to move into leadership positions, to grow the organization itself, to mine the success of that business. So how does talent acquisition have a responsibility in there? What is their link into talent management and ultimately retention? I'm probably in the minority on this, but I believe talent acquisition should be gauged on retention and attrition at least for the first year, to me. And I, I mean, agree. I, it's, it's, I don't, well, thank you. That's <laughs> <laughs> I'm, also, I'm often met with from the talent acquisition team saying, well, wait, no, no, that's not fair because once they're in the door, we can't control their experience, which is true. You can't. Right. But you can focus on getting the right people in the door. That's which right. Your talent acquisition team really has to understand the employer experience our employer um, offerings, the employee experience, employee engagement, and one other thing that gets overlooked in this employee engagement equation, employee satisfaction, which is not the same thing. So that's right. When we look at branding, there is parts to engagement that I think that talent acquisition and talent attraction employer branding, whatever you want to call that program in your organization, has some responsibility to, and that's sharing meaningful work, right? Sharing leadership skills, abilities, the ability to coach, mentor, and grow someone's career, that's something that acquisition and attraction needs to have a very strong handle on. Not because you need to sell it, but because you need to accurately explain and share an employer's ability to meet those areas. Because let's face it, there are some jobs that are filler jobs, right? Every step you make in your career doesn't have to lead you to bigger and brighter, but it needs to be meaningful. That's right. It needs to have a purpose. And it could be that the purpose that this person has for taking this job is they need your pedigree on their resume. That's not necessarily a bad thing if they're prepared to spend 24 to 36 to 48 months. I mean, the reality is that's the big four for accounting, right? You're in an accounting degree. Chances are you're going to spend a few years and the big four get burned out and then go (laughs) somewhere else. As long as you can accurately say up front to the people that you're trying to attack or attract rather, not attack, (laughs) 
Well, it could be the same thing sometimes. You never know. (laughs) You know, but as long as you can let them know up front, we're going to run you ragged and it's going to make your career. That's right. And I know that KPMG has said that to um, organizations, right? Which is cool that... That they're upfront and honest about it, right? Yeah, because it allows the employee to make an accurate assessment of what they're being offered and decision based off of reality instead of fluffy marketing. Well, and it's really easy to present this wonderful view of the world at that particular organization and have employees come on board and within three months say, yeah, this isn't what you presented. I'm going to start looking elsewhere. And exactly. when we and think about not, millennials, right? I mean, they're not willing to have bad work experiences. If they're not happy, they're moving on. And so we really need to so remember. I agree they're moving on. I, like, I agree with that, but I disagree with the, they're not willing to have bad work experiences. I really? Think because they move on so quickly, they have lots of bad work experiences. Oh, that's okay. And they expect work to be bad. Oh. So I think there's, they want better, but like when I talk to, and I mean, I just finished talking to about 200 university students on a project I was working on. And it was really interesting to me that their expectation of work was that it was going to be frustrating, that it was going to be poor and that they weren't going to be respected, which is not what they wanted. So their, their solution to that is I'll just go to the next place. And that that makes me sad. That just, that just makes me so sad because when I go into a new work experience, I, I go in, you know, waving the flag over my head. I love this organization. It's the best job ever. I'm never leaving. I'm going to retire from here. And of course, that, that bubbles usually burst, <laughs> busted quickly, right? But it makes me sad that they have the expectation already in place that it's probably not going to be great. That's unfortunate. And, and, but I can say it's, it's probably true. And I consider my own children that are in their 20s and the ex- experiences that they have had. So, Well, and they've seen it in their parents, right? So That's right. To, to that end, I mean, to wrap up the question about engagement and employee engagement, what it has, what a talent acquisition has a responsibility to, I think the responsibility that we have, the biggest responsibility is to be able to share the meaning of the work that you will have. And then secondarily, to be able to translate what the employee satisfaction level is. So we talk about net promoter scores and the ability to refer, like how likely are you to do business again with this company? How likely are you to refer business to this company? And then we have an employee version of that, the ENPS, right? But there's one step further, I think, in your internal employee satisfaction scores. When those are low, you know, maybe you need to focus a little less on sending money, bringing in new people and diverting that money into understanding what's going on into your organization. And I don't mean don't hire people, right? Because you're going to have to hire people. Right. But, you know, you can, you can absolutely control whether or not you're spending a quarter of a million dollars on banner ads and, right. and all of these right. things to, uh, to attract new people that maybe aren't the right profile for your organization because maybe your organization has changed and shifted. So if your employee satisfaction levels are unknown, find them out. You can survey and find that out fairly quick. That's, that's if interesting. Come back low. Work on that. Do an internal campaign to po- to push out your values. What's changed? Find out where the fracture and the fissures are. Right. A lot of times, the fractures and the fissures come because the employees no longer understand your current missions and objectives. You've changed something, and it can be as simple as your performance rating system, right. and that can send your entire organization into an employee satisfaction turmoil. Because they don't understand why you changed it. They don't know what goals you're trying to meet to push that out. Because leadership can do sometimes a, a poor job of communicating you think? Little, <laughs> what they consider to be little details. Yeah. Right. So, but it makes a really big difference. So if you can understand where those fractures and fissures come from, you can put together internal 
talent attraction campaigns to help keep the people that you have and to help them understand because they need to. And if we really think about it, every employer brand I've ever seen communicates that they respect their employees. To some some way or another, they communicate that they respect their employees and they want them to be successful and they help make that happen. Well, if you respect your employees, then why aren't you marketing to them? Why aren't you explaining the nuances of your decisions to them? Because ultimately, if you don't, they're the ones that are going to make or break all of your business goals. They're the ones that do your work. That's true. So, you know, employer branding, it doesn't stop when you're hired. It shouldn't stop. You shouldn't stop marketing to the employees that you've hired. It should continue on. And because you want that brand to be consistent, I think talent attraction or employer branding, however, wherever that sits in your organization, has a responsibility to continue to share those messages internally as well for more than just the purposes of getting a referral hire. So employee engagement, what we've been talking about, right? It's been the big buzzword for the last year. 2015 Mm -hmm. was the year of employee engagement. Do you think we're still going to be talking about it in 2016? I've, I've asked this question to a couple of people and it's split. Some people have said, absolutely not. It's going to burn out and die. We're not going to talk about it anymore. And other people have said, you know what? I think the discussion is going to become more in depth and we're going to really start to break down what employee engagement means. What does Crystal Miller think about that? I think that it's, it's always funny to me when people say they think that a conversation is going to burn and die out. They don't. What happens is they become more siloed. So people that work in social media are still talking about talent communities. They have been since 2010, probably even a little bit before right, that, but right. it's really loud in 2010, 2011. You know, people in employer branding, 2014 was the year of employer brand. Guess what? It's 2015 and they're still talking about it and they're still going to be talking about it next year. Employee engagement, that conversation isn't going to go away. It's going to continue. It may be a louder conversation for those involved in learning, development, and talent management than those in talent acquisition. Come 2017. Yeah, that that would be a great move. (laughs) Yeah, I think in 2016, it's still going to be a a point of conversation. And I think that the the conversation will get a little more, to your point, in-depth in talking about things like employee satisfaction. And then I think the overarching conversation across all of these topics will be business impact, right? So when you look at how all of these different topics, how all of these year of conversations end up growing, they grow into how does this ultimately impact profit or loss business? Like there's a, we're trying to move towards fiscal accountability and being able to quantify, not just qualify our impact on the business. So I think we're going to see more dollars and cents type conversations out of this. Great. Well, Crystal, I knew that we would run out of time, but I want to get a couple more things in quickly. To give us an overview of what Branded Strategies does a little bit differently than your competitors, what makes you unique? There are a couple of things. The first is that we work with both employers, uh, so organizations, and we work with HR technology. Now, we're really specific in how we work with HR technology. It's focused around product development and customer positioning, so understanding what the market needs and how to get it there. Okay. So that's definitely a point of differentiation. I think, I'm going to say this and somebody's going, no, so-and-so does this, but I think we're the only agency that does that. Okay. Uh, There are several consultants that sit on advisory boards. Most of them are marketing influence programs. Right. So, hey, we're going to give you a seat on our advisory board and you're going to talk about how awesome our product is. So it's a win-win for us. But what we do is really focus on the uh, user experience, what they actually need and how how to bring that into the technology. That's great. Uh, And then we help the organizations market that. 
from the practitioner side in an organization, we really will help you learn how to do this for yourself. We don't want organizations to be overly dependent on us. We want them to be able to think and do these things themselves. You don't want them to be your client for the next 20 years. I mean, it would be nice to have that, but help them (laughs) actually teach them. It's more of a learning experience for the organization of why employer branding is important and what you need to do and, and then push them out of the nest and let them fly. Yeah, I mean, employer branding, social strategies, whatever right. it is that we've been brought on to do, and there's, there's a myriad of things around the talent acquisition and attraction space that we work on. Our goal is to help them understand how to attack it. So employer value propositions, brand strategies, things that you probably should have an outside hand right. in, in, in the right. project. We expect to go back and do that every two to five years, depending on the organizational well, makeup. But as far as creating your own campaigns, running your campaigns, getting creative set up, working with your marketing department, every client we have, the, the way that we go into these engagements, it's a little bit different than everyone else, is we talk through, here's what you need to be able to do this on your own. We'll do an assessment of their staff, their learning needs and capabilities. And then part of our project is to teach them to do it themselves. So by the end of that project, they can do it on their own. Love it, Crystal. We've been talking with Crystal Miller, the head of Branded Strategies. We're going to call her the chief engagement officer over there and founder of Branded Strategies. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. And I'm really thankful that we had you kick off this series, Today's Employer Branding into Tomorrow's Employee Engagement. Before we get away, though, can you share any final words of wisdom or maybe a favorite thing you saw in 2015? Okay, I think I actually saw this in 2014. But <laughs> okay, well, we'll take that. <laughs> to, when it comes to employer engagement, uh, being able to share that. So culture marketing is really what it is. And employer branding, I think Deloitte is still one of my favorites. Their first year wisdom campaign for college graduates was just phenomenal. It was so, so good. They really did a great job of being able to show the realities of working in their business. And that was really cool and how you can't necessarily talk about your clients and you can't tell everybody the cool stuff you're working on and you're right. going to work early and late right. and all of these things, but here's the payoff to it. That was phenomenal. It was great. Maria's story from Ernst & Young. Um, oh, yes. I write about that and I've talked about it in, yes. uh, in presentations. By far the best piece of employer branding I've ever seen. It's so good. But, you know, I think when I look at favorites and things out there, it changes, like it changes so fast when you look at what people do and how they do it. You know, Nando with Horizon Careers, like they're showing work perks. I mean, it's not going to change the world, but that series is really fun. And it's fun to watch that series. That's a good piece of employer branding because their employees are sharing it. Well, so there's a lot of ways to get out there and get creative. And we know that marketing and branding has shifted to be more entertaining, more educational, less call to action, right? Yeah. It's, it's what I like to call give to get marketing. And I love the shift personally, because that when I'm marketed to, I want to receive something besides, hey, buy this or hey, click through, hey, sign up for this, right? I'm tired of the newsletters. I'm tired of the you know, the mass email marketing. And it's nice to start to really maybe get a little education also from these organizations that are willing to spend a little extra time in their marketing and branding efforts. You know, I think nonprofits have it maybe a little bit easier when it it comes to sharing the meaning of their work because their consumer brand and their employer brands are so closely aligned. But you can look at AT AT&T, for example. I mean, when you look at the need for an employer brand, which is one of your earlier questions, AT&T is a great example of why employer brands are necessary. They're known as a telecommunications company, and they are a telecommunications company, but they're also really and truly a technology company. 
And so their employer brand, some of the more fun campaigns they've done have revolved around sharing how, no, they need developers and right. <laughs> they need technology experts and they need women to help make this happen. And we've got some really fantastic campaigns around that that are just, they're just, they're fun. They're enjoyable to watch. They're enjoyable to interact with. And I mean, at this point, you can experience them on your cable TV. So they're utilizing their own technology to do it. It's really, really cool. So I think as we move forward, looking at how you can integrate your own company's products, services, whatever, into your employer brand is helpful. But don't get out, don't be afraid to get out there and try something new. Don't be afraid to quote unquote fail because what you see as a failure may really help someone make the decision to join your organization. And really through trying something a little bit different, pushing the needle just a little, you may find the best things you've ever done get put out to the marketplace and it transforms your organization. Well, that's great. I've loved this conversation. And again, I really appreciate you helping me with this series and, and launching it. And I hope to hear more from you in the future. And I'm sure we'll have you back as a guest, uh, maybe as a wrap up for this particular series. I think we're going to learn some really valuable tactics as well as strategies and the difference between the two. I think it's important to understand that there is a difference between tactic and strategy when it comes to branding and marketing. Thanks again, Crystal, for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I look forward to hearing the series. And before we let you get away, can you tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and branded strategies and how they can possibly reach you? Certainly. So you can learn more about my organization, Branded Strategies, on our website, which is brandedstrategies.com. For me personally, you can get a hold of me pretty much anywhere on the internet using the moniker of the one crystal, T-H-E-O-N-E-C-R-Y-S-T-A-L. So LinkedIn.com slash in slash the one crystal, Facebook.com slash the one crystal, ad nauseum. Pretty much every platform. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and, thanks. And thanks I again. I'd love you to do it. I'd love to connect. We will so. make sure folks get that information also in the bio of the show. Thanks again, Crystal. We really appreciate you being here. HR Latte will be back continuing the series, Today's Employer Branding into Tomorrow's Employee Engagement. Thanks so much. 